Hello, everybody. How's it going out there? Hope it's going well. Happy Monday. Hope you are ready to start the week. My name is Andrew Kuhn. Of course, sitting alongside my co-founder here at Focus Compounding, Mr. Jeff Gannon. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Andrew. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. Thank you very much for asking. We want to thank everybody, of course, for tuning in. Uh, we hope everybody had a great weekend. In this episode, we are going to be talking about NACO Industries, which is a stock that Jeff has been very public, and you've written about it, uh, what, three, four times on, on the uh, Focus Compounding yeah, website. Yeah. Um, it's a spinoff play. They they spun off Hamilton Beach Brands, and now NACO Industries is a standalone company. The ticker is NC. The current price is $36.15. Your average cost, where you put 50% of your portfolio in it, mm-hmm. is around $32.50, either on October Right. Yeah. Thirty-two dollars fifty cents. Yeah. On October third or fourth. Whenever the spinoff was. Yeah, the spinoff. And the current market cap is two hundred forty-six million. Uh, looks like they are positive cash because they have an enterprise value of two hundred and three million. And as I did say, Jeff did put fifty percent of his portfolio in this individual stock. Um, so of course you are listening to the Focus Compound podcast. This is the podcast part of our business. We do also host a website where individuals can write about ideas, connect with other investors, and it's a growing community of just people writing about quality and value-focused um, investment ideas. So be sure to check us out there, www.focuscompounding.com. Use the podcast promo code, which happens to be podcast, and you will get $10 off your monthly subscription price forever, indefinitely, uh, while you stay a member. Uh, so be sure to check us out there as well. So NACO Industries, yeah. it came out at like $20 per share or something like that, right? Yeah, I think that morning it came out, it's 20-something, yeah. So so you you bought it around, thirty. your average price is around $32.50, as Correct, I said. Yeah. So the stock, do you remember what time did you, you bought the stock at? Or I think it was during the morning, but it, it took a lot of um, uh, executions to fill my order. Yeah. Yeah. And it and was had a lot of volume that day, but for whatever reason, it, it was difficult to... Yeah. Um, find enough people that were selling in volume to me mm-hmm. so did you so what did you like about NACO uh, so NACO I read about um, ahead of the spinoff uh, and what I liked about it was it was spinning off this business Hamilton Beach Brands which is um, small appliances like crock pots microwaves things like that and uh, it was leaving this um, cost plus um, coal mining business which is really um, business where it's really a services business so they operate coal mines on behalf of customers who are generally power plants um, and those mines are generally um, for power plants that are mine mouth plants so they're um, have a long-term supply agreement with them and they're their sole source of coal that they um, use to power those plants and uh, NACO gets like a profit per ton sort of thing mm-hmm. and we are talking about this now I mean, we you did buy it back in October, but, but full disclosure, we are talking about this now because, uh, the, as I said, the current price is around thirty six dollars. It was at right. like what forty two dollars, forty three dollars. Uh, I think it peaked at forty seven. Okay, so might have hit that once or twice. Yeah. yeah. So, so what happened is pretty quickly. I don't know within twenty days or something of this spinoff, it would have hit a price that we probably didn't want to talk about it. Yep. Because it was less interesting. Um, but then it came down and actually within the last few days of us recording this, it had even been lower than where it is now. So it actually came down right intraday i think it came right down to where my price was originally yeah. mm-hmm. so that's why we're talking about it now yeah. yeah and and subscribers to the website they all knew 
Um, they knew the day, it, that, the day of yeah. that you that you put it, and then you did yeah. wait to tell everybody else um, the stock that you were investing in. Uh, but anyway, so so Hamilton Beach Brands, it's a crockpot and mm-hmm. kitchenware type of business. And sure, you see it at Walmart, it's yeah. on Amazon, yeah. Yep, and then they have this other coal business as well. Mm-hmm. There was another business that was attached to it too, wasn't there? Oh, uh, there had been that had been spun off a while before, and I knew that business. Uh-huh. I had actually looked at that as a spinoff. That's how I knew about this business in the first place. Uh-huh. But I think I said before that reading um, – a blog post about this at Clark Street Value is what really got me interested in, in this particular case with it, although I had known about the company a little bit before because they'd done spinoffs before. Uh-huh. So what did you so what did you like about like what drew you to the situation? And what one thing I thought was pretty interesting, you described it as a service type business. Mm-hmm. And well, I feel like a lot of people at first blush, they probably would have wrote this idea off because it's in the coal business. And upon I guess doing more research, it's not necessarily like other coal companies. Right. So none, they don't have, they don't sell as far, actually, I'm sure that they don't sell any coal where the market price of coal would matter. So um, even in their consolidated mine, uh, which they own and have to put up capital for, uh, that's just one mine they have, even then they're still under a long-term supply agreement, which has nothing to do with the price of coal. These customers aren't paying for the coal um, based on any sort of commodity pricing. Mm-hmm. And when you said cost plus, what what does, what what does so, that mean so for viewers that don't know? Yeah, so basically it's just um, how, what, what their costs are plus a certain percentage. They would describe it more as like a management fee type business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they do describe it though in the annual letter. Um, but basically they uh, have certain costs which are real costs um, because this indexes within, with inflation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then they make a certain profit on top of that. So the uh, And they include it as Exhibit 99 in the 10K. You can see um, the actual financial statements of the um, unconsolidated uh, coal mines, and they can't consolidate them uh, under GAAP because uh, they have. This is why I describe it like they're operating them for customers. So in reality, they own them, but they're not consolidated because none of the debt is a recourse to um, North American Coal, which is a subsidiary of NACO. Um, but they. Uh, the, the customer is really the one putting up all the capital. Mm-hmm. And so when you can't bear the risk yourself, want to be able to keep the, the business in business, um, you can't consolidate it. And so this is actually a very big company. If you look through at what the unconsolidated subsidiaries are and in how many tons of coal they're mining and things like that, how many employees they have. But it appears smaller um, in terms of the consolidated financials because they only consolidate one coal mine. Mm-hmm. All the others are not consolidated, so they don't show up on the revenue line. They just appear as profit earnings from unconsolidated mines. Uh-huh. And what did you like about NACO as opposed to Hamilton Beach Brands? I'm sure, I mean, I don't even know how HBB has done since the spinoff. I don't think, I think last time I looked at it, it, it wasn't doing too well. Yeah, it did done poorly uh, until recently. I don't know if it's if that's changed, but, you know, in the first few months, it was down probably 25, 30%, while NACO was up 25, 30%. Uh-huh. Um, NACO is the remaining part of the the business. Yeah. So what did so what drew you to actually liking NACO more? Did you think the valuation that it was coming out at was cheap, or yeah? So I did. Um, so a lot of people valued on like EV to EBITDA or something like that. Mm-hmm. But as I just said, they only have one mine where they put up capex. Yeah. So you would think that as a percentage of EBITDA, it should have very very high free cash flow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this year they said their expected taxes are nine to twelve percent. That's because when you remove coal from the ground, you have a significant tax savings because. Um, it's a depletion allowance. Mm-hmm. So um, they had previously under when the um, corporate tax rate was um, in the 30s, they had uh, paid a low 20s uh, percent, maybe 23 percent or something on those unconsolidated coal mines. So I would expect them not to pay more than about 12 percent. I think I estimated that. Mm-hmm. And what do you think the price could be worth? 
Mm, it's hard to say. I mean, you know that I don't buy companies where um, I think that I'm paying more than two thirds of the value. Yeah. We said I bought at thirty two fifty, so I'm comfortable with people knowing that that means well, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't buy something a little over thirty unless I thought it was worth a little over fifty or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so you first read about this on Clark Street Value, right? You were familiar mm-hmm. with the business, but then you sort of revisited that this it through spinoff was really happening. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And what was your process like from then? Like, did you did you read the ten k? I read the ten k, and yeah. then just knew kind of instantly that it was interesting, and then you just decided yeah. to do more work on it. Or what was your process like for that? And the only reason I'm asking because so many people, I mean, you get emails all the time. I get emails all the time on like, what's your process or like where to go? I guess. To, to right. learn about certain situations or whatever. Mm-hmm. So what was your process like well, for that? I, um, I had read something because of Clark Street Value. I had read that blog post. And although I didn't appreciate exactly how the business worked, there were some words used in that blog post because it's very good at accounting That in that blog. It's a special situations blog, so it usually covers the 10K and the accounting for it much better than you would normally get in a stock write-up. So there were certain things like the fact that there were unconsolidated um, subsidiaries and things like that that I knew um, to be interested in how the business was organized, consolidated, what the accounting worked like. Mm -hmm. So when I read about it, it was really understanding uh, what the business was really like. And that's what I did. And um, it was a matter of minutes because of how unusual the situation was here. Mm -hmm. And that's so interesting because I know you've you've told me, I think you've, I don't know if you've actually publicly said as well, but you've told me a lot of the best investment ideas that you've come across. You sort of know, I don't want to say instantly, but like relatively soon, I guess. And then the rest of the time in your due diligence is really like fact checking and still sure. making sure that it all, you know, makes sense. Yeah. And and that's what happened with BWX technologies, which was then Babcock. The BWX technologies part was almost instantly reading about it. Um, and the same thing here. I mean, the, it talked about that it was non-recourse, all their, their liabilities to um, the North American coal company. North American coal companies itself a subsidiary of NACO and the debt of North American coal companies also non-recourse to NACO. Mm-hmm. So I knew that you were buying the sort of the, the third layer. Um, and then I also knew on top of that what the balance sheet was going to look like. Probably I wasn't sure yet if Hamilton Beach was going to um, give them a dividend, which they ended up doing. Um, do you remember what that dividend was for? Thirty-five million, I think. Yeah, that's like that. yeah. yeah. Um, but it was just it had long-term contracts. I think I said the average is the range of the important contracts are like thirteen to twenty-eight years. I also estimate that free cash flow in a normal year would be very high. So uh, some people talk about like EV to EBITDA, and I think if you read the comments in the Clark Street Value blog um, about it, they'll be talking about EV to EBITDA. But I just thought that wasn't important. Um, because they have one mine where it just should be worth a very low multiple of EBITDA. Mm-hmm. They just said they're going to spend a lot of money on it next year. They have to buy some land to extend the the mining there. Um, we didn't mention that this is not a below ground. Um, no, it's surface, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and this is very low quality coal. It's it's used only in power plants. Mm-hmm. And yeah, is it brown coal? Is yeah, that what they call it's it? Brown yeah. coal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are huge surface in terms of the acreage. It's they're giant. There's they're several thousand acres sometimes. Mm-hmm. And when you said that they're not exactly affected by um, coal prices, there's no effect of coal prices. Can you explain that for the viewers or listeners so they could try to Well, the customers that? don't pay the market price of coal. Uh-huh. They instead have a cost plus agreement with them where they pay them based on what it, uh, they take delivery based on a price, mm-hmm. which is set by their cost of that mine. So it doesn't matter if um, coal is in short supply or um, there's an abundance of coal in the rest of the world as long as what the situation is at their particular 
mine, which is just what the costs are. Mm-hmm. And so when Joel Greenblatt wrote, you could be a stock market genius and, and his section about spinoffs, um, I think he, he spent a lot of time talking about um, the incentives of management mm-hmm. to sort of fuel, obviously incentives probably drive human emotion. And mm-hmm. um, obviously you want a management that's properly incentivized to make the situation or at least try to make the situation a success. Did you look at how management was incentivized after the spinoff and sort of what their skin was going to be in the game? Well, management's a family. Yeah. So effectively management is a family and that's what their incentives are. And if you read about the company, this is, I should point out, I have a book which is about this company's history over the last hundred years. And if you read carefully about- How fun was that to read? It was was much better than I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. Much better. Um which I'm sure was given out to employees or yeah. people involved with the company, but it, I was able to find it and read it, and it was interesting. That's also why they've done these spinoffs and stuff. They mention this key phrase a lot. They say that so-and-so brings the perspective of a um, long-term taxable investor, mm-hmm. and that's the term they use over and over for the family, meaning a long time ago we made a fortune in yeah. coal. Yeah. After, like, But about the time of the Depression, they realized this company, which had a different name at that time, uh, had underground coal mines in the east, and so and this is why they still have royalties coming in from Ohio and stuff, and liabilities associated with cleaning up sites back east. But the um, so the family made a fortune that way. But then, of course, what do you do? Mm-hmm. You don't want to be in this uh, coal business that's that's driven by market prices of things. So you have to diversify away from that. But you don't want to be taxed. You don't want to sell the the business and give cash out to the whole family, right? Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? I mean, there are companies that have gotten around this by like selling out for shares of Berkshire Hathaway or something, right? So that's a way of getting around it. But what they did is they basically diversified into other things. Mm-hmm. So they um, started maybe in the 50s. They started doing um, deliveries to power plants under the kind of contracts that they have now. And you can see their evolution from there. And then um, they eventually invested in a couple of businesses they bought entirely. Um, Hamilton Beach Brands, and they also bought a um, forklift company. And so um, those two things uh, allowed them to spin that off. And so family members could still own those things and have super voting shares and things. Mm -hmm. But um, they were able to basically diversify uh, what their the family's money was in. So that's the issue here. They're not going to sell this company. Mm -hmm. So I guess my main question is, is why did you make it a 50% position, right? So you're obviously you're a very concentrated investor. Mm-hmm. You've never shied away from that fact. Um, and you, like I always say, uh, everyone says they're concentrated and then normally they're not really concentrated when stuff happens, but mm-hmm. you're actually a very concentrated investor. Why did you make it a 50% position in your portfolio? Because, and to compare that, uh, BWX is, was what when you first bought into it 20 percent okay so i regret that a lot that it should have been yeah because yeah sure more so is this was this more so of like a learning thing from the past that you just thought uh, you recognized from bwx with the long-term contracts and that it's a very you know good business and i mean just that's just the question like why'd you make a 50 percent position so there's one really big risk with this or maybe two so somebody emailed me talking about a second risk which is true which is um that this is a a a coal mining business so that there's risks of safety and stuff sure. um, with it. Now the, their mines are probably, I would guess about the safest coal mines in the United States, just because they're surface mining stuff. And, and if you just look at the safety stuff, but there's always a risk of that. So that's one risk that could happen. Um, but the other risk is uh, the big one, which is that the customers shut down the power plants and I have no way of knowing if they will or not. Mm-hmm. And so that's the big risk. And they have very high customer concentration. They could lose like 30% of their earnings overnight, 30% of their revenue overnight. 
um, if uh, a power plant shut down. It's kind of like NIC Inc. We Mm -hmm. saw that happen before, yeah. Yeah. But, of course, here they can't switch to another provider. Mm Mm-hmm. So that would be like if a state decided that they're going to not have a website. Mm-hmm. Here, they can't switch a provider. So they're, the only way is if the, the power plant goes out of business. Yeah. So the, the company would have to, just, the utility would have to decide to shut down the plant. Um, and there are reasons I had done research on Babcock and Wilcox and had ideas about how likely it was that coal power plants um, would shut down and things like that. And a lot have. But um, that's a very significant sunk cost that you have in there. And you could do it. And some have shut down. Um, there's some within, we're in Texas, which has a special program for its power, uh, which is basically inside Texas only. Mm-hmm. Um, and there they've been companies that have shut down coal power plants here. So, yeah. what, And so it was, and we talked about it, it was a kitchen crockpot uh, division, mm-hmm. Hamilton Beach Brands, that was spun off from NACO Industries. You think the best spinoffs, or the most interesting ones for value creation is when you have two businesses that are in completely different industries being spun or broken apart from each other. Yeah. Because I, to this day, I don't think that people like understand or, um, knack that well. Mm-hmm. Now it could, what's the misconception about the business? That it's a coal company. So it's just that, like a regular, it just, every... it's selling coal at the market price. Uh-huh. If you listen to the earnings call, there was someone who invested in stuff and he keeps asking about that, but the, price of coal has to affect you somewhat you know uh-huh. it doesn't affect them at all yeah the, the ceo he actually he literally said like that it doesn't affect them at it all doesn't. Like, they don't yeah i i for a second i paused early on where i was thinking well is there any slight thing no there's nothing uh-huh. there's no way that the price of coal could affect it at all um so it, it, it's a services business really now it's not accounting for it that way but that's the way it really is contract out we run your mind for you mm-hmm. for example in the case of the Kemper, a plant would shut down. So there's a, a fame, infamous now uh, plant that they were involved, that they were going to be involved in supplying, which is perhaps, I don't know, it will be close to the most expensive, you know, um, power plant ever built in the United States, probably certainly the one of the worst flops ever, um, which was meant to be a sort of clean coal thing. It, it was going to be able to run on multiple fuel sources and um, it, they decided not to run it at all because of the regulator telling them they wouldn't be allowed to raise rates for this. Um, they wouldn't be allowed to raise rates just to justify running on coal. Mm-hmm. So they're going to th- have the plant run without any coal, which means that the mine that NACO was going to operate from them, for them, which was expected to run for 30 or 40 years, take deliveries of, uh, p- deliver three or four tons of coal a year for that long, mm-hmm. which would be huge, that's not going to happen at all. But that um, customer is actually going to pay NACO to close the mine. Got it, yeah. So in, in they, in all cases, would be the one to close the mine. Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean about the services. You're outsourcing uh, coal mining. There are actually some utilities I mentioned in Texas. There are some utilities who I believe do it themselves so that they would actually own the coal mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would, So there are companies still left that have mine mouth operations where they haven't outsourced it to someone like NACA. Interesting. Obviously, you're not going to generally have any new coal mines or new coal power plants, a net you know, in the mm-hmm. U.S. But there are ones that might want to outsource. And so this is a way of outsourcing um, your need to uh, mine coal yourself. The other possibility of, is, of course, that some, which some power plants run on, is that they um, bring coal from far away. And that's when we're talking about the market price. So you can bring coal by rail from far away. Here they, you know, they operate a very small railroad at, at one of the sites. 
but um, we're talking very short distances. These things are basically on top of the mines. You can see from satellite images. Yeah, and then that's what we did when we were doing research on it, right? You could yeah, literally all the satellite. You could literally Google each each mine, and you could see on Google Maps. Yeah, the, you should. In the annual report, has pictures of it, and you yeah. can also just Google what it. It's like a um, surface mining of coal. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, you can see it from very far yeah. away. It's yeah. the easiest thing to see in a satellite image of it. There are incredible quantities of earth that they're moving to do this. And there's over incredible amounts of acres. One thing is for in the United States, um, why we burn coal, right? So coal is incredibly dirty and this is the dirtiest form of coal, the lowest grade. Um, so why do this? It's basically everywhere. Like if, I mean, there, I don't know the exact number. It's 10 or 15% or something of, um, that you'd be able to find coal. I mean, for instance, we I'm sure we don't know all the coal reserves that we have when we're talking about coal of this sort of quality, mm -hmm. which would only be good for a power plant that you built right on top of it, basically. So the idea is it's just a very cheap way of um, having a way of controlling your cost yourself. So, you know, the natural gas is the exact opposite of this. A plant that's running on natural gas has no control over how expensive it is to fuel and natural gas prices go up and down and so you don't have a way of planning out 30 or 40 years if you build a nuclear plant or if you build a um, mine mouth uh, plant for coal you have an idea of what's going to cost and so a utility planning 30 or 40 years of providing to a local area it makes a lot of sense to do it that way uh, it did in the past now i don't think it will happen again interesting and with it currently trading around Eight times earnings, and I'm just pulling this data from from Guru Focus. Eight times earnings, thirty six dollars and fifteen cents, and as I did say, a market cap of two hundred forty six million. You do think it's a pretty interesting place or interesting time for people to to start to learn more about the business? And no, we're not saying go put fifty percent of your portfolio in it, but it's you think it's a good good place for somebody to start learning about the company. I've said before, I don't think it's appropriate for other people. Really, I really don't. Why is that? Because I don't think you. I don't think the average person wants to be invested in something where the a customer could close down tomorrow. That's 30% or more of your business. Mm -hmm. Three customers, uh, three plants account for basically all the value in this company. I mean, they do some other things and we didn't even talk about the fact that they're doing uh, lime rock businesses where they're basically doing the same sort of thing, different accounting for it of um, operating quarries, operating certain equipment and quarries um, for lime um, companies. So, I just think that people don't want to have the risk that a customer could um, say that they're closing down a, a, a plant in, in um, you know, for instance, they have, uh, if you look at the most recent board, they have a former governor of uh, North Dakota, I guess it is, um, there, and that's for the political risk of that. Obviously, there's political risk that uh, if you have certain things with um, carbon emissions. Sure. These are, like mm -hmm. I said, dirtiest plants you could imagine. Yeah. Um, so... That risks all that. I think some people don't want to own coal anyway um, for, for moral reasons. Um, and I think that, uh, I mean, because I mentioned BWX Technologies, they originally put in civilian nuclear reactors. Those things are completely safe and, and don't cause, uh, uh, you know, har harm to people at, at all. They're much lower than even things that we could think of as being completely safe, like wind and solar. Mm -hmm. um, this is completely the opposite in terms of what it's doing to the environment and to people's health and things like that. So some people don't want to own it for that reason. And the other reason is that I think people don't want, I think they would feel incredibly stupid if they put a large amount of money to something and that plant closed down tomorrow. Yeah. And that's the risk that you always have. That's the risk here. If that doesn't happen, this will be a great stock. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, because you have a free cash flow yield on it averaged out next year won't be good. This past year was very good. Um, that could be, you know, 10% or something like when I bought it. Sure. So if you have a double digit free cash flow yield, that's real and it's long-term contracts. Yeah. Well, that's so the predictability of it. That's well, amazing yeah. investment. You're not sure. going to find anything like that. Mm-hmm. So the only risk is that those contracts go away and they go away if the, if the plan closes. So it's all a bet on, you know, whether the sustainability of the, contract, of the, of the power or, plants, yeah, power yeah, plants. Yeah, sure. The coal power plants. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Any other thoughts on the business? Nope. That's it. Perfect. Well, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. As I did say, that is this is not an endorsement to go in and, and put 50% of your portfolio in, in the stock, but it is an endorsement and maybe doing a little bit more due diligence on it. Uh, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, of course, if you do like the podcast and if you do like what we're doing here at Focus Compounding, uh, if you could, feel free to go in and give us a, a review or rate our podcast. It, it definitely will help. Um, I guess bring us more uh, and grow our audience, right? Yeah. On iTunes. Yeah. Yeah, On iTunes. So Mm -hmm. if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to support us, you can definitely support us doing that as well. Uh, If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow Jeff at, at Jeff Gannon, G E O F F Gannon, G A N N O N. And my Twitter is at focus compound. And of course this is the podcast part of our business. Feel free to go to www.focuscompounding.com. Use the podcast promo code, which is podcast, and you will get $10 off your subscription price forever. Yeah. You can also sign up for uh, weekly memos from me there. That is right. Just put in your email address. There's no cost associated with that. And every Sunday you'll get a little memo from me on some investing topic. We're going to get consistent Sunday at 6 a.m. Okay. Central time. All right. Right. So wherever you live, go and Google it. If you don't know it, 6 a.m. Central Time, you'll get a memo from Jeff. And what was the last one which was really good? They're all they're just on investing principles. No individual stock ideas or anything, but it is a 500 plus word um, Mm -hmm. memo on just investing topic. And there's a lot of people that have subscribed to that and signed up for that. So be sure to certainly check that out if you're interested in that as well. And you can subscribe to that on the homepage on Focus Compound. Yeah, you just put in your email address. That's all we need for you. And we do not sell your emails. We do not sell your data. So no worries there, right? Yep. Perfect. All right, everybody. Have a great Monday. Have a great week. We will see you Thursday. Take care.